Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday, January 4th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Uh, first of the new year here, Hoynesy, uh, podcasting on a, a pretty glorious victory Monday for the Browns. The Browns in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Ohio State's in the national championship game, and no trades and nothing is going on on the hot <laughs> stove for the Indians. So uh, we can focus all of our attention on the football field, but but I guess it's uh, it's time for the first time in a you know a little more than a week to talk uh, talk Indians baseball and and Major League Baseball. Uh, really, the uh, the biggest news that's come out in the last week that concerns the Indians uh, has to do with the the opening of spring training and and how they're planning on sort of gradually rolling in this phasing in this uh, this approach to getting the guys into camp. Yeah, Joe. I mean. Uh... Our buddy on uh, uh, Indians perspective, uh, uh, you know, kind of broke the story la- last night uh, that uh, there's going to be like four different uh, players that are going to report during January, starting this week, uh, to a good year um, and uh, get tested uh, the coronavirus test. Uh, you know, they'll report on Wednesday, get the test on Friday. And then start, you know, voluntary workouts on on uh, on Sunday. And I think these are all this is voluntary. I don't think, you know, you know, I think they ju- they're just trying to get the players in to get them tested. So I, I guess they don't have a, a crush of players coming in at, you know, on on mid February if spring training opens on time. And right now, you know, MLB officials are saying it will. Uh, and just, you know, having everybody sit around, you know, for 48 hours when you, you arrive there to be quarantined and then get tested. So this is a way to maybe, uh, you know, um, get the process moving sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's a, it's a way to manage volume. That's Todd Paquette is our, uh, our buddy who runs uh, Indians uh, uh, Perspective, the, uh, the Twitter account that uh, focuses a lot on the minor leagues and up-and-coming uh, Indians uh, prospects. Uh, Todd uh, releasing last night that information uh, about the Indians phasing in their their spring training start dates. And really, uh, what I found surprising was among the the first group of uh, guys who were supposed to be tested and getting in there, uh, Shane Bieber, uh, the American League Cy Young Award winner, 
uh, the guy who threw the most innings in, in baseball last year uh, and, and really over the last couple of years has been in the top three. Do the Indians risk, uh, you know, pulling a Corey Kluber with, uh, with Shane Bieber and just pitching him so many innings that uh, by the time he's, he's ready to get, uh, uh, make his, you know, free agent, uh, you know, here he's, his arms ready to fall off. Uh, is, is that something that the Indians should be concerned about? Uh, I don't think so, Joe, because, you know, these, the workouts will be voluntary. They'll be monitored. Um, I don't think they're going to start, you know, you know, these guys are probably right now, you know, depending on, you know, if, if camp starts on time, uh, you know, which is mid February, February 17th, around there, pitchers and catchers report. I mean, these guys are already throwing bullpens now. And a lot of them, you know, it was, it was a, uh, you know, a short season last year, a lot of guys, um, you know, how many innings did Bieber throw? Like 70, 70, yeah, 80 innings. You know, right? he was, I think he was second most in, in baseball. Uh, so, but, you know, that's not, you know, when you look at, you know, a full season or, you know, if they, let's say they play 140 games this year or between 140, 162, you know, that's, I think maybe, you know, you could probably start throwing, he's probably, one way or the other, he's probably throwing bullpens right now anyways, if, if he's at home in, uh, you know, California or, or he's in camp, uh, you know, at Goodyear. And he has, you know, I talked to Logan Allen uh, last week and uh, he said, you know, Bieber has been in and out of Goodyear uh, along with, you know, several of the players that are in that first group to uh, come to camp this, this, this week. And I think probably a lot of guys are living out there right now. Mm -hmm. Well, and just knowing Bieber and knowing, uh, you know, what he went through or what he did last year uh, to keep himself sharp and, and ready to hit the ground running uh, after the coronavirus uh, layoff. And, and when they came to summer camp, you know, this is a guy who, you know, puts his foot on the gas and, and, and goes, that was sort of the, uh, the approach that he took at the beginning of spring training back in March was he came into camp ready and they didn't limit him. They, they just sort of let him go uh, on his own. Uh, you know, he knows better than anybody, but, but still, would it, would it be a good idea to just maybe ease him in? You know, I know after the, after the World Series run, uh, the Indians sort of took it easy with Corey Kluber. They didn't want him to, you know, you know do too much, and, and they eased him in uh, over the course of spring training. Might we see something like that with Bieber as well? Yeah, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, if, if, if we're talking about a guy that had thrown 200 innings last year, 230 innings last year, I think they would have, you know, asked, they asked Bieber last year, right? I think mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. if he wanted to take it easy and he didn't, but, you know, but, you know, with Carrasco, I think they took a different approach. You know, you, you've seen, we've seen him take, like you were mentioning, different approaches with Kluber and Clevenger and Carrasco, you know, two springs ago, those guys, you know, didn't pitch until mid-March in games, at least. You know, they, they spent a lot of times on the backfield, throwing inter-squad games and B games. So, you know, I, but I think the short season maybe changes that dynamic a little bit. And you probably want to, I would imagine you're going to have to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting balance because you, you've, if you're going to play 140 games this year or 162 and, you know, baseball proved you could play in the middle of the pandemic without the pan, uh, without the vaccine last year. So if you're going to play, you know, and maybe closer to a traditional season, 
do you build these guys up now? Do you want them pitching more innings? Or since they didn't pitch a lot of innings last year, do you kind of ease them into spring training? So, you know, I think it, it's kind of probably a case-to-case situation. And we saw, you know, last uh, in, in the 60-game sprint, how the Indians, you know, a lot of teams babied their starters, but the, the Indians started were going four, five, six innings right out of the box because they had put the work in uh, leading up to, you know, spring training one and spring training two. Right. Uh, also on the list of players, uh, probably in that first tier, uh, top prospect Nolan Jones, uh, who's again, uh, exploring positional versatility, I guess is the way Antonetti uh, puts it. And uh, also the uh, both Naylor's, Bo Naylor and Josh Naylor uh, among that group uh, as well. So, uh, so really just interesting to see who's going to be not, not getting opportunities, but who's, who's going to be there first and who's going to be, you know, uh, among those guys getting settled in and, and will be sort of in, into a routine or something like that when the rest of the, the, the folks eventually roll into camp. Yeah. You know, you always, you know, you, you always have a, a bunch, a lot of pitchers in camp, you know, I'm sure, you know, by the end of January, they could have 40, 45 players in camp probably, you know, I don't know if guys will be going home after they test or, you know, since it's a voluntary basis, will they, some guys not come until February, you know? So, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, kind of maybe a little hit and miss, but, you know, a guy like Bo Naylor, you, you need catchers to, uh, you know, handle the, the, uh, you know, kind of just the, uh, the onslaught of pitchers, you're probably going to have, you know, over 20 pitchers in camp, 20, 25 pitchers you usually have around that number. So, and you, you need catchers. So, you know, this will give Bo Naylor a chance to uh, stick around and handle a big league staff and, you know, learn as much as he can. Right. And, you know, just the idea that uh, a, a guy like Nolan Jones, who's sort of trying to find a place to fit in and, and maybe make the major league roster uh, if he's, he's working out as an outfielder, and as maybe a first baseman, there's just some opportunities for him to to get out there and again work on those new positions uh, after having made the transition from shortstop to, to third base in his minor league career. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, they've, you know, the Indians have we as we've talked before, uh, the Indians have said third base belongs to Jose uh, Ramirez. So, uh, you know, Nolan Jones is going to have to find another spot right now, uh, based on uh, you know if he based on the big league club, at least. And uh, so, you know, he, he's got some versatility. Obviously, they think he can play third base. And now they'll, you'll test him, you know, in, in, in the outfield at first base. He, he did some of that in the, in the, you know, the fall instructional league. So we'll see if he can build on that. All right. Uh, other than that, the, the, the hot stove has been pretty cold with the exception of uh, one team in particular, the San Diego Padres very active on the trade market uh, in the last week or so. Uh, they've brought in uh, Hugh Darvish, uh, last year a finalist for the Cy Young in the National League, uh, made a trade to get Darvish and Victor Caratini from the Chicago Cubs uh, for mostly prospects. And uh, they also, prior to that, brought in uh, a former American League Cy Young winner in Blake Snell. Uh, so they bolstered their pitching staff probably made it the uh the top starting rotation when you add that to 
uh, the, the guys that they already had there, and plus the idea that Mike Clevenger will be back uh, after a year after that, in uh, after having Tommy John surgery, uh, the the Padres, you know, if 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 uh, January is the new December, uh, December was still December for the Padres. Yeah, you're not kidding. They uh, they really shook the tree, and you know, you know, when you read uh, the reports on the trades, and they they didn't give up their top five prospects. I wonder how many prospects can one team have, Joe? I mean, <laughs> they've traded more prospects. They traded prospects uh, in the Trevor Bauer deal, right? Mm-hmm. They traded prospects in the Mike Clevenger deal. They've traded prospects uh, in 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 these two deals for Darvish and and, and uh, uh, Snell. I mean. What three of the guys in, in the Darvish deal are, are teenagers? I mean, they haven't played a professional game yet. I think so. I mean, you know, process, are they prospects or suspects? Or are these just like salary dumps by by their by the Cubs and and uh, the Cubs Indians and uh, the Cubs Indians and and Rays? Right. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is the left-handed pitcher uh, that's their top-rated uh, prospect. He's the he's the number five overall prospect in, in baseball. But, uh, you know, he f- possibly factors into their, their rotation future in the next, uh, next year or the year after. Uh, now he might not even crack the rotation with, with the way that they're loaded in, in terms of uh, starting pitchers. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that they can make all these deals and, and bring all these guys in and send all these guys out and not move the top names. Like if, if, if you were trading a Blake Snell, how could you not demand a number one prospect that it, yeah. it, it blows my mind that that in, and it's not just the Padres that are doing this although the Padres have done this to the Indians you know two three times over the last five years in in terms of you know making a deal for a headline guy and not giving up a top prospect uh, I, I just I wonder if that's a, a the new normal for uh, for baseball now with the with these trades guys holding on to this prospect capital yeah, and you know, prospects are more valuable than ever. But you know, if uh, it, it all comes down to money, you know, obviously, um, you know, San Diego is willing to take what the, the they owed what Snell over thirty million, I think. Yeah, uh, thirty nine million uh, on Darvish. Thirty nine million and and Darvish what over fifty fifty million. Yeah. I mean, I think the Cubs paid like three million. So the more money. You know the 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 Padres assume in uh, the deal. You know the lesser prospects the, the team is going to get the Rays and, and and Cubs are going to get back because that that's what they're doing. They're just dumping money. And, and you know if if you know now if if the if the if they the contracts were more split. If you know you know the Rays and Cubs were picking up more of the money and that there was a less of a burden on the Padres, the the prospects would go up. So you know I think you know I think there's a lot of disappointed people. With, in Chicago uh, Cubs fans right now, because, you know, you trade Darvish, that's pretty, pretty, you're signaling a, you know, a rebuilding right now. Right. And and that's exactly what they're doing is signaling a rebuilding. It wouldn't be surprising to see a Chris Bryant get traded before opening day uh, as well, but it, it just, it, it's fine. I, I find it, it, it funny for the, the Cubs to be one of the franchises that's sort of yeah. crying poor right now. That, that, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. If the Cubs are crying poor, then the Indian situation must be way worse than what anybody's letting on. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I like what uh, uh, Scott Boros said uh, 
in his virtual winter meetings, uh, meeting with the press, he said, the owners didn't lose money last year. They lost profits. So (laughs) I guess that's, you know, that's one way of looking at it. So, you know, uh, and the owners are saying, you know, you know, the the owners are saying, no, not profits. We lost out of the, from the bottom line. So, you know, I guess you're, you're, you're looking at it from two ends, but you know, I, when, when, when MLB owners start, start paying, start paying, you know, spending their own money, that's when, you know, they're hurting. And I, you know, I don't think these guys are reaching into their own pocketbook just yet. Right. They will, you know, try to avoid that at all costs. Hey, uh, speaking of trades, uh, the one trade that has sort of uh, not happened yet, I guess. And we haven't heard much uh, on that front. Uh, Francisco Lindor, still a member of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, as we get deeper into January, how much more likely do you think it is that Francisco Lindor at least opens the season with the Indians uh, in, in 2021 if uh, if they can't find a trade partner that's willing to give them you know, enough value in return that makes it worth trading away Lindor instead of keeping him for 2021? You know, Joe, I, th- I think that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about that. And, uh, I mean, before we started our podcast, we were talking about it, that, you know, it was around this time last year that, that uh, you know, uh, Chris Antonetti, president of baseball operations of the Indians, basically told us, you know, Lindor was not being traded after, you know, a winner of rumors that, that he was going to, you know, you know, 30, you know, 29 of the, the, the 29 other big league teams is going to be traded. Do they reach, have they reached that point this year? I, I don't think so, but I think, you know, I guess anything is possible, but you know, there's so many things that go into this A, we don't know if the season's going to start on time, you know, B, we don't know how many games the season is going to consist of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and you know, the St. Louis uh, 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 GM, uh, recently said, uh, like you were saying, uh, d- uh, January is the new December. So we have a whole month to go. Uh, and I just think, you know, I look at this, the Indians roster, and if you keep Lindor, somebody else has to, if any, if you keep Lindor and you want to be a competitive team, if you think you you have a chance to make the postseason, somebody else is going to get traded. They've got to create some payroll space on this team to add players so, you know, I guess the next guy would be Carrasco. I mean, one, one of those guys is getting traded, Joe. I, 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 don't, I don't think those, those two guys are not going to be on this team whenever opening day takes place. Right. You're talking about, uh, about 30, 32 million, if you, you know, 12 million for Carrasco, 20 million for, for Lindor to keep both of them on the roster. Uh, and really, if you got rid of them, your your whole your whole payroll would be in that you know what forty five million dollar range. Uh, yeah, if, if something like if that, that. And that's, it depends who you're getting back too. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I I just twenty million dollars for Lindor. It, it seems like a big gamble to to just try and play with that this year. And, and let him walk at the end of the year as a free agent. You'd get a, what, you'd get a draft pick back if that was the case. Yeah, but. I mean, you could, you'd have to offer him a qualifying offer, you know. Right. You'd have to make him a qualifying offer, which was probably around 18 to 20 million. He's not going to take that. 
So, uh, you know, but at least then you, you'd get a, you know, a decent draft pick, but you could still trade them at the deadline, this deadline went at, 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 you know, the 2021 deadline, but then how much are you going to get compared to what you're going to get now? I, I, is that what they're weighing? You know, is that what, you know, is, is there going to be that much of a difference? Yeah. Somewhere in Chris Antonetti's office right now, there's a, a cost benefit analysis sheet that says, okay, it's more valuable to us to, to keep Lindor through the, the end of the 2021 season than it is to trade him for lesser prospects or, you know, not enough of a return to make the trade worthwhile. So, but then you've also got to weigh the fact that you, you would owe him $20 million yeah. that you would have to scrape out of your couch cushions in order to get. So, and, and you know, uh, Terry Francona would like to write his name in the leadoff spot for maybe at least half a season in 2021. But I, I just don't know if that's feasible. I, I, you know, if you, if you do that, you know, you're going to have to, I mean, they've already cut a lot of payroll, but you know, there's going to have to be other, uh, you know, <laughs> reductions, other deals that are going to have to take place. So, you know, they could be very, very busy in January, the Indians. Right. All right. Well, uh, so, so sort of the, uh, in summation, uh, the uh, the later we get into January, the more willing we are to sort of maybe accept the fact that maybe they'll start the season with Lindor on the roster, at least at least start it that way. But again, uh, you know, we all have our, our, our doubts that that's going to be the case. Wanted to take a second here um, to mention the passing of Phil Necro, you know, Hall of Fame knuckleball pitcher, uh, you know, most notably with uh, Atlanta and, and the Yankees, but uh, he did have a, a stint with the Indians uh, in the, the late 80s. Uh, he came over most notably. Uh, he, he won a game that made uh, Phil and his brother uh, Joe the, the all-time winningest uh, duo of brothers uh, pitching, uh, the most brother pitching wins in, in all of baseball. Um, a pretty, pretty fun guy to sort of be around and, and just uh, – you know, listen to him uh, tell stories. Poinsy, what was it like covering uh, Phil Necro back then at, at that time? What, what what do you remember of Phil? Yeah, I uh, it was in 1986, Joe. He the, uh, he got released by the uh, Yankees in spring training, at the and the Indians signed him. He was 47 years old. Oh, <laughs> He's 47 when he came over, and uh, the happiest guy in camp right then was Tom Candiotti, who was. Uh, you know, in, at the start of his career with the Indians, and he was a knuckleball pitcher too. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, he got he sat right next to Nuxie and and you know learned everything he could about the pitch. And uh, he was just he was just a fun guy to talk to, a fun guy to watch pitch. And uh, you know, the, the the thing that stands out to me the most was you know how pitchers run. Pitchers are always running. You see them running in the outfield every day. You know, the starters are always, they have their own running programs to keep their legs strong. <laughs> and, and Negro was so old that they didn't want him to run. They, they <laughs> thought he'd, he'd blow out if he ran. So he, he stayed in shape between starts by having Johnny Goral hit ground balls to him. He'd be standing in the infield somewhere. And Johnny Goral, the third base coach, he'd hit ground ball, fungos to him. And he right. and he just feel ground balls that way. And so, but, well, you know, he was... Wasn't he uh, like a multi-time Gold Glove winner at, at pitcher? He 
he, he won a ton of gold gloves as a pitcher. Yeah, he was very good for his defense. Yeah. And he, you know, he, and he, uh, you know, he was, he, uh, Peter Bavese was the, was running the club then he was a GM or the president, I forget. And, uh, every time, uh, a Negro would pitch, he'd have a polka band playing on top of the old, <laughs> the old Indians bullpen down the right field line, he'd pitch. And then Negro was so old, he would go out with the coaches. He wouldn't go out with the players and they would go, they they play, they go to the polka, polka bars in Cleveland or on the West side. Oh, wow. He was something else. He was, he was a good guy. And he, you know, he knew all the tricks. He, he, uh, there were times when, you know, your your back foot, the pitcher's foot always has to be in contact with the rubber, the, the, uh, the pitching rubber. And, he would move his foot up a little bit, about two or three inches, you know, no, and he, and no, you, you couldn't see it. You know, the umpires couldn't see it. So he, he, he cut that, that 60 foot, six inches down a little bit. So the, the knuckleball didn't have to travel as far. Yeah. 59 feet, 10 inches for, uh, yeah. for Negro. But uh, just the night that he uh, won the game that sort of put the, 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 the Negro brothers over the top, uh, for pitching wins. I know that, uh, you know, I think the Indians could sort of celebrate. They had a, a bottle of champagne for them, and it was uh, just a really uh, a nice story. I know you, you covered that game. Uh, anything you can remember from that night about him? Uh, I think his, his mother was in the stands as well. Yeah, I, you know, I do. I know do. It. Yeah, I, I do remember the game. But I, but I remember the thing I remember most is he handed out T-shirts celebrating the, the I think it was five, they combined for 530 wins and, wow. uh, and uh, the brother, the Joe and him, and, uh, you know, he handed out T-shirts to all his teammates and uh, they even gave it to the reporters. I still have mine somewhere stuck in, <laughs> in a drawer somewhere in the house, but, uh, <laughs> but he, and he was just, uh, he was just such a, a good guy. And I, I remember talking to him at the, at the hall of fame in 2007, he had gotten in, you know, and he was, he was, he got inducted, you know, in uh, 1997 and I, and I ran into him and I was there for in 2007, I ran into him and he, and he was just so, he was so overjoyed to be in the hall of fame. You know, I mean, he won 318 games, but, you know, he kind of did it, you know, with a, with a kind of a freak pitch, you know, a pitch that, you know, you know, he wasn't throwing a hundred miles an hour. So, but he was so thrilled to be in the hall of fame. He said, you know, guys, some guys, you know, don't even come to the hall of fame. Every the guys that are in the, in the hall right. of famers don't even come here to Cooperstown every year. And he goes, I I'm, I'm coming here every year. And I, I can't believe it. This is the greatest place in, in the world. So, you know, you really felt the joy of him being, being a member of, of the hall of fame. Well, and you know, that, that, that's funny as we're talking about, uh, you know, the ballots are in already now. Uh, they're, they're about to be counted. And on the 20th, we'll find out who the, the newest members of the Hall of Fame are uh, in, in this uh, upcoming induction class, which will include last year's induction class uh, as well. But it, just to hear how excited Phil Negro was about being a member of the Hall of Fame uh, and, and what it meant to him, that, that sort of just, you know, re- sort of reinforces in my mind the idea that that character and integrity are sort of a, a major factor in what should be a guy who gets elected to the Hall of Fame and, and, and that sort of uh, that idea there. Uh, I'm sure you feel the same way. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, sadly, you know, think of the players, the Hall of Famers we've lost, Joe, in, in, uh, in 2020. Uh, and, and Phil was the last, the last to die, I think, just, you know, December 26th or 27th. You know what? Uh, Al Kaline, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, uh, Joe Morgan, um, uh, Whitey, Ford. Whitey Ford, and Tom Seaver, and 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 Negro. And I mean, those are six. Those are six legitimate Hall of Famers. They didn't get right. in there. They didn't right. sneak in there. Those, those guys belong there. So you know, that's a it's a big loss to baseball and a big loss to the Hall of Fame. All right. All right. Well, Hoinsey, uh, we have. Hopefully more to talk about this week. I think we're going to look at uh, some New Year's resolutions as we're into 2021 now. Uh, tomorrow, we'll, we'll go over some, some New Year's resolutions that, that we come up with for some of these uh, players on the Indians roster and maybe in the front office and on the coaching staff. So uh, have that to look forward to tomorrow. New Year's resolutions. Get yours in order here. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, I'm sure they involve, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, Doing a little fishing, maybe uh, maybe losing a little weight, something like that. Uh, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll figure definitely. out what we got. All right, now we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast.